Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good day, church. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. What a promise we just sang to lift our hearts and remind us of why we're walking in this with God life. As we began to talk about last weekend, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. To focus on a relationship with a loving father who chose us, who's not burdened by us, but actually wants this relationship with us more than we want it with him. And that's what the with God life is all about. But it's more, has more dimensions than just my personal relationship with the father. It extends beyond that. See, the main thing is to keep the focus on the kingdom. And to focus on the kingdom, we focus on God. Jesus was asked a question his definition of spiritual formation. How are we formed? And he said, by loving God with everything we are and subsequently loving one another. Loving yourself in the way that you're valued by God, having that place with him, knowing who we are, having peace with our father. But he's also given us an opportunity to extend that in how we live our lives each and every day. And that's what I want us to see today. We refined our value after sin's effects in our relationship with God, in his redeeming love and the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. But the value of others is found in this thing we call community or these active words like fellowship. We're naturally created for this. You go all the way back to Genesis and when God created Adam, he created everything else. He created Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. We were created by God for this one thing, community a community with the Father, but also with the saints, with those who have been chosen, those who have allowed the work of Jesus to be theirs. Think about it. It's natural for all of us. Kids gather in a park looking for another child to be with, to play with, to experience things with. People gather in coffee shops to think and to dream and to talk and to share and to catch up. Social media is rampant in our culture, and I'm so grateful for it Even though I've been a critic of it, I'm so grateful of it now because it keeps us connected. We're able to share in a way we were not sharing just 10, 15, 20 years ago. And you just look at the natural desire in each one of us. This with God in community life is our next step. And I think it's important that we've gone back to the basics these last few weeks and we'll continue to because when everything changes so much, we're all looking for routine. We're all looking for something that we can just sink down and count on so we don't have to think about everything being new all the time. So I wanna go back to the basics. It begins with our relationship with God. Then, Then God extends that relationship with him to our relationship with those of the church, of community of faith, of our family. You see, the measurements of churches for too long have been out of whack. We've measured organizational stringency. How, how are we doing the things that need to be done? But think about it. What you need right now isn't crowds. You and I need community. We need not to be isolated. We need to stay connected. We need to love and serve and care for one another. We need to know that we're being cared for and that someone's thinking about us. I love that people are checking in with each other regularly. Let's continue to care for one another and to allow no one to slip through the cracks, no one to feel alone, unwanted, and unknown. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul writes this powerful passage in verse 10. 
for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That has an individual component, but it mostly has a corporate statement. It goes all the way back to creation, Genesis 1 again. God has created us for work. God has created us for worship. And God has created us for community. You see, in Ephesians chapter 4, if you'll look at that passage with me in verse 1, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. It's a challenge. That it's just not going to come easy. It will take effort. It will take work. And it's different than we're used to. But in this time of redefining what's normal, what a perfect time for us to not only go deeper in our relationship with God, but let's go deeper in our relationship with one another in our family of faith. Look at verses 11 through 13 with me in this same chapter four. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a loaded sentence. What are we seeing? You see, the new church has been measured so much in our culture by things that have been taken from us in the past few weeks. And here's the good news. Uh, In a conversation I was having with Peter Buckland, one of our elders and one of my colleagues on staff, he said something that's resonated with me since he said it. And that is when the structures of our government or the structures, structures of our culture are flipped upside down, you'll notice that the structure of the kingdom and the church is unchanged. It can't be societally changed. Oh, we've made attempts, but the structure of what God wants in his church, you see, the good news is even when we can't meet in large gatherings, the gospel still goes forward. The work of the gospel hasn't been stopped at all. In fact, it's been heightened. It's been intensified. People are now aware of their need for it. So even in the midst of a storm, God's goodness prevails. So Paul says that he's called his church together and he's equipped many of us with gifts Not professional gifts, but gifts that serve the entirety of the body. Why? So that all of us can grow. What does God do with our community? Why has he called us to this? I'm just going to share a few things today to encourage you. This is probably things you've you've thought of before. It's nothing new, but let's not worry about being profound. Let's become real. Let's dig deep, set our roots firmly in Jesus Christ and his kingdom. See, again, in verses 12 and 13, Paul says, Till we all come all of us become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the completeness of Christ. These are the core verses for which our mission is expressed here at Christ Church until all of God's people find their completeness in Jesus. This is what we're about. I don't mean as an organization, I mean as individuals working together. The reason we gather, the reason we're doing this online, the reason we're gathering around the table is until every one of us is unified around our completeness solely in who Jesus Christ is. Yes, God does love us individually, but don't be mistaken. He also loves us corporately and he moves with us. In Romans 12, five, Paul writes to a different church, a, a group of Christians living in Rome. He said, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. It's trite, but it's true. It isn't just about me. It's always going to be about we. It's going to be about community, about me walking on the pathway with you, encouraging you and you encouraging me. 
First Timothy chapter three, Paul writes to Timothy, a young preacher, and he's encouraging him what to teach and what to preach and what to do as he establishes churches in places like Ephesus. I am writing you these instructions so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Think about what he said there. It's a household. Households hold families. Many of us today are meeting in our homes, gathered with friends and family, uniting ourselves around what matters, the depth and the purpose of who Jesus Christ is to all of us. It's not only of the, the church, but it's of the church of the living God. And it's also the pillar and foundation of the truth. Our, our family of faith, the people you're gathering with, and those of us scattered throughout these four state area, we're fueled by simple practices that produce faith, hope, and love. Oh, if you've attended Christ Church for any period of time, you know this is one of the things I champion. If you read the letters that Paul wrote to churches, he doesn't measure a church by how many people gather on a Sunday in one location. He doesn't gather how much money is raised or how many are on staff or how popular something is. He actually gauges it on three things. It's what he's looking for every time he writes a letter. Faith, hope, and love. The church will produce that if it's living rightly together and for God's purposes. When we have a community of faith, I want you to see how this works. This is why we're making it so important to ask you to join us, to don't fall away, but to, to join us and be reminded, even though we're in different rooms, that we are together in heart and mind, worshiping together through this gift of technology. You see, our community of faith inspires us to live intentionally. We call it worship. The reason we wanna to gather together, and I look so forward to when we can do this again, but to inspire one another to walk in faith, to grow deeper. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the days approaching. Faith works and we are called to spur one another on. Oh, we trust that families could get together and have family worship on Sundays, but there's something about the dynamic of knowing that people all over these counties are gathering together, sharing in this moment together. It matters to know we're not in this alone. And we're spurring one another on, encouraging one another to walk by faith, even in these difficult times. Our community of faith inspires us to face life's problems. I call it fellowship. You see, life is a series of problems to overcome. I know that sounds cynical, but I think it's true. And we'll either be overcome by these problems or by faith, we will overcome them. And this is where our hope comes from in our fellowship. In 1 Thessalonians chapter five, it says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. We bring hope to one another in the good, in the bad, and in the mundane. We're here for one another. If this continues, should it, there will be some of us that struggle with issues psychologically, become depressed, discouraged, and angry. Some of us socially, uh, we will struggle being isolated and away from friends and family that we need so much. Physically, our jobs, there's a lot of pressures coming our way. There's a lot of fear to be had if we did not have hope. So we're going to encourage each other to see beyond the immediate now and trust in a God who promises he will be faithful through everything. Our community of faith involves us in finding the places of our gifting. Let's call that service. Finding out why you're a part of the family, what you contribute to the family. We're gonna call this love. 
You see, we gather together and we worship to inspire our faith. And, and we, we join together in fellowship to face life's problems and to encourage one another with hope. And we find our gifting together and we call this service. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says it this way. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And then in verse 27 of that same chapter, he says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of us has a contribution to make. You see, we're here for each other and we are purpose-filled. There's a reason for us to gather and it's not just to hear a teaching or to sing some songs. It's actually to be reminded of the most important things and contribute our everything toward the end goal of the gospel. Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says it this way, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul just articulates it so cleanly. Our purpose is not just about me. It's always gonna be about we, that we complete the task that God's called us to. Some teaching, some preaching, some serving, some leading, doesn't matter what you bring to the table. Everyone in a family is important. So what are we to do with this community? It's obviously God's plan. The New Testament is full of, of challenges to join in community and to not walk this alone. So what are we to do with community? Well, last week I used the ridiculous illustration and I'm grateful I did about a big black skillet and some pork chops. I want you to know as of this date, I've received 10 pictures of some of your Sunday night dinner. I really am grateful for those. In fact, I'm gonna encourage us can we just take pictures of our gatherings in our homes and can we share those on social media to just encourage one another how everyone's doing it uniquely? We've received fascinating pictures of what elements you use for the Lord's table. I got pictures of pork chops and black skillets cooking amazing things. Let's keep sharing and encouraging each other, even with smiles. Today, I wanna to use a different connector than a skillet and some pork chops. I actually want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter six. And I wanna to talk to you about an old fairy tale that you know well, except I'm gonna call it Christianity and the Three Bears. And let me show you what I see in the scriptures because it will remind us what you and I get to do in real life-giving with God community. As we grow together in faith, hope, and love, challenging each other, how are we to serve one another? In other words, how are we to love one another as we love ourselves? You see, our relationship with God, the with God life brings peace between us and God through the work of Jesus Christ. But our actions reveal our place. And this is what community, it gives you a place at the table of our King and invites you into it. So why do I call it Christianity and the three bears? Because if you look in Galatians chapter six, the word bear or carry, depending on your translation, I like bear because I've never heard of a fairy tale about carrying. But the word bear is found three times and it's, that word is used three different ways and I want you to see it with me quickly this morning. Galatians chapter six, verses one and two. Let's bear with one another's burdens. This is what we're challenged to do, to bear one another's burdens. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Bear each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You see, the fellowship of the church has purpose. 
It's not just to gather and listen. It's to gather and serve and to hold each other up and to encourage those who are lagging behind on the pathway of discipleship to join up, to catch up, or we slow down to bring them with us. Think about it. To the lost, we bear the hope of salvation through the glory of Jesus. To the hurting, we extend healings, prayer, and compassion. To the hungry, we will extend food, assurance, and presence. To the poor, we will extend treasures, support, and encouragement. We're called to bear one another's burdens in this family, and we can do this together. The Greek word for bear or carry that's used in this particular verse means to lift off a heavy weight. One of the favorite things I've ever learned is that the Kisi people of West Africa have a proverb. I love this proverb. It says, when a person steps into the center of the circle to dance and no one claps, he will soon tire and sit down. But if everybody claps, he might dance all night. We bear one another's burdens. And there will be people surrounding us, maybe even in our own homes, who need to know that someone will walk with them through this difficult time. And we will care for each other so well because this is what church does. The second bear is to bear our own burdens. In Galatians chapter six, verses three through five, Paul uses a different word for bearing. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they, like, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should bear or carry their own load. Examining yourself through the lens of other people is a dangerous game we play. It's really easy to do in America because we're competitive and we believe the strongest win and the, and the weakest should lose. But actually in the kingdom, this is not what we do. Paul is telling us that comparing my walk of faith to anybody else is a fool's game. It's not the with God life. You see, the truth of the matter is, if there is competition in the body of Christ, we all lose. Nobody would ever win. Comparing my integrity against another's is meaningless. Comparing my talents against another's is meaningless. There is no competition in the body of Christ. We carry our own responsibility for our covenant relationship with God. The with God life is our duty, our goal, and our passion. But there will be times that even taking responsibility for your own walk of faith, you will be blessed, encouraged, and strengthened beyond your own capacity by allowing others to join with you and help you. The Greek word for bear in this verse actually means to carry a backpack, to take your responsibility seriously, to choose that in this redefining period in our nation, that we, some of the things we don't have available to us, have you noticed you're doing just fine? So carry the responsibility of this walk of discipleship, this with God in community life. Well, the last bear in my little fairy tale is this. Bear the cost of the gospel. In verses seven through 10, Paul writes, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. Paul writes, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The church must never forget that the reason we exist is to promote the sacrifice, the loving sacrifice of Jesus. How do we do that? 
Well, the Greek word for bear here means to take on your person, to make personal. The mark of a believer in the gospel of death is a death that was sown in our minds in success. We believe in the death of Jesus Christ and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have chosen the risen savior as he has chosen us. We die for him because he died for us. We die to self-interest. We die to selfishness. We die to disobedience. We die to laziness. We die to self and we live for others. The early churches are example prospered because it gave away everything that didn't matter to hold on tightly to that which they never wanted to lose. The with God in community life is a privilege. For the sake of each of us, finding our completeness in Jesus, we need each other. And especially we know it now because we miss each other. But stay connected. Make a phone call. Uh, Offer a text. Write a handwritten note. Whatever it takes to let someone know that They have value to you. And don't be surprised when you hear from others how much value you have to them. This is what we do, not because we have to, not because we're scared that when this all comes to a conclusion that no one will come back to this building. No, no, our relationships are real. We're alive in Christ. He has knitted us together. I need you, you need me. It has nothing to do with profession. It has to do with who we are and our confession of Jesus Christ as our living living and risen savior. We are here to bear one another's burdens. We are here to bear our own walks of faith with others. And we bear the cost of cutting the gospel loose in our culture. And what an opportunity we have. You see, our community is founded not by cultural standards, not by how the world measures the church. We measure the church this way. Are we loving? Are we hopeful? Are we walking in faith? And are we bringing others with us? So this is the time to put your elements out on your table. Maybe they're already there, but if not, I ask you to get them and get them ready because we're gonna celebrate the most communal act that we get to do as a church. We're gonna gather around these pieces of bread or their symbols and this juice or its symbol. And we're gonna ask you today, especially, to gather whoever's together, to gather around these elements and just remember. Remember the work of the gospel in your heart. Remember what the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus means to you. Maybe someone wants to express how grateful they are. Maybe someone will pray over the elements, or maybe everyone will join hands in a circle and pray. There's no script for this, but do it together. Don't do it alone, because we are a family, a family of faith, hope, and love, a family called by Jesus to make a difference, to bear one another up to take responsibility for our own walk and to bear the gospel into our world. Church, our finest hour is right in front of us. And I know you're gonna kill it, but kill yourself first. Gather around the emblems, celebrate them. The church is not the end of our journey. King Jesus is the end of our journey. The gospel is defined by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the new kingdom he brings. Remember, He died to take us from sin. He also died for his kingdom. And we get to be a part of that. We as the community of those called from death to life are gathering around the images of Jesus' death so we can have life. Be grateful, celebrate Jesus, eat the flesh and drink the blood as he gave it to you as a loving sacrifice so that together our hearts are united around the most important things. Please pray with me. Father, we are grateful 
for Jesus. Jesus, we are grateful for your sacrifice. Holy Spirit, we are grateful that you knit our hearts together around these truths. Father, help us to become the church you desire for us to be. Help us to care and serve and love one another, to be a bright light, to let loose of the gospel in this community by the way we love and care for each other, just like your early church did. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. We eat and drink in celebration as a memorial. And Jesus says, credit to who you are to us. Today, we celebrate you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing us together around your Father and together as a family. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.